Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Tyler. All right, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I just had my first COVID shot today. And uh, so far, no side effects. So grateful, grateful to be alive, excited for the future. Happy to be talking to you today. Um, Yeah, life's good, man. How about yourself? What's going on? You got a dog in the background there, I see. Loving that. Oh, yeah. He's uh, since COVID, he's been uh, my studio mate. He's uh, he uh, never was up here before then, but uh, he likes to chill out with me. Um, that's Teddy. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, I've got my second shot. I'm doing well. You know, a lot of my friends are already fully vaxxed. And so it's nice to be able to, uh, have sessions in my studio and, uh, had a great one yesterday that was, uh, really a lot of high energy and fun. So, um, who was down? Can we talk about it or is it hush hush? Oh, no, no. Gil Sharon, uh, a drummer friend of mine who uh, has done a number of records with me, who toured with Marilyn Manson and some other artists uh, that uh, are really good, uh, was in here. So Gil is in here once a week doing sessions with me, but we were, uh, I'm working with a, a, a rap duo named Bad Neighbors. And so uh, we're doing some some hybrid rock music, but incorporates trap but some really heavy rock stuff too so it's a lot of fun and and uh we have some pretty spirited sessions when gil comes in and plays drums you know i don't think they're 
too used to uh, firsthand experiencing that kind of energy and talent, you know, with musicians. So it's fun to get everybody worked up, you know. I want to chat about your soundtrack towards the end of the conversation. I want to get a bunch of background context first, but I just quickly want to jump ahead. Who's the rap guy on the soundtrack? Um, it's a fucking incredible tune. It's a guy I'd never heard before. Uh, Denzel Curry? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. That's one, hell of, that's one hell of a tune, dude. Yeah. So Denzel is like, he's awesome. Bad, bad luck's the song, isn't it? Yeah. So when I, when I heard, uh, you know, essentially every artist on this soundtrack uh, is a fan of comics, DC, the culture, right? So Denzel probably knows more about DC comics than maybe anybody involved in this record. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And I know a fair amount, you know, since I've done movies that are in that world and, and worked with DC in the past. But um, Denzel uh, was inspired by uh, a couple episodes or a couple issues of the comic that I shared with him wrote bad luck and then he came in and voiced a dark side batman for us and um he was just incredible to work with just a real great guy great force of nature and um his his performance on that song is really exciting so we're thrilled when uh when that's what he came back with so it's yeah, an amazing excited. tune it's got so much energy and like i don't listen to a lot of the kind of newer hip-hop you know, all this sort of, as you mentioned, like trap SoundCloud stuff. I'm just not up to date with it. I like a lot of the early old school hip hop, but I haven't really kept, you know, up to date with the more modern, you know, movements and progressions. But I heard that and I was like, man, I've got to get on some of this stuff. Because for me, a lot of contemporary rock music lacks that danger and excitement that used to make it great back in the day. And I think nowadays rap is really where a lot of that countercultural, you know, underground energy really is thriving, isn't it? Yeah, I think the the one thing that uh, has been missing, though, is sort of the explosiveness of rock and roll performances. And so I'm working with a couple different rappers right now who are really into it. And of course, they they, you know, they write and perform trap music as well. But I think that element of danger, uh, the unpredictability of performing in the context of drums and guitars and stuff is really exciting for everybody involved and it's all it's also injecting or infusing a new uh energy into rock music that we haven't felt for quite some time so to me it's exciting to be working with artists who uh, are really on the cusp of of that at the moment so yeah it's a lot of fun do you know hiro the hero have you heard his stuff i have not check it out i think you really like it he's a really exciting dude he's from houston he, he had an album out, Ross Robinson produced it, going back almost 10 years now. And then he kind of went off and just did rap for a time. And then he's kind of back doing the rock stuff again now. But yeah, with what you're doing, I think you'd really dig what he's doing. It's very kind of heavy metal, energetic, hardcore sound. But then him just, you know, spitting crazy bars over the top. It's good shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Ross, uh, Ross, uh, yeah, he produced uh, my friend Dave Lombardo's band, Dead Cross. Yep. So that record is just really amazing so um yeah he's doing great work and the thing is the key is is to maintain your your inspiration and your verb you've got to mix it up a bit so um i love to you know cross pollinate genres with artists as much as possible and you know i'm down just to lay into some some heavy rock stuff or if it's something that's more jazz folk i'm cool with that too and 
you know, obviously a, a lot of my work uh, still lies in film and television, but uh, for me, I need to have an infusion of all of it to keep me really amped on a daily basis. Well, I love what you do, man. I think your work just amazing. And, you know, obviously you're a musician first and foremost, despite all the great score work you've done. Um, I'd love to know, how do you get first involved in film scoring? Like you go obviously from playing in bands, playing loads of shows, touring, doing all of that, writing, recording. How do you then segue across to the, the world of cinema? Um, frankly, I never expected that to to enter into my life or my career, but it, it really began when I moved back to LA. That's where I'm originally from. I met people at parties who were doing low budget movies and like, Hey, you know, uh, I've got two grand for a score. Are you up for doing the music to my movie? And I, well, I figured, okay, I've been making music my whole life. I can't hurt this movie too much. Um, so I did some pretty lousy scores at the beginning, not knowing anything about the craft. I was learning from directors and producers and editors, and I really appreciate that experience. But there was a point where I sort of connected who I am as an artist and a musician in the construct of a film score. And that's when I thought, wow, okay, I could really do this. I could really get into this. So it's been a, it's been a long, intensely challenging journey, but, uh, also very rewarding at times. It's been phenomenal. And I've met so many incredibly talented people in, in the uh, over the years and, and learned so much from the directors and producers I've worked with, which has certainly helped me a lot in working on records with different artists. So um, one has definitely helped the other. Yeah, I mean, so I studied film at uni and I've been a DJ for 15 years. So movies and music are like my two biggest passions in this world. And where those two worlds coexist is obviously where you live. Um, and I mean, I want to just kind of select three projects from your incredible list of work over the years that for me just stand out as I think three of the best soundtracks of the last 20 years. Right. So I'm, I'm going to come at you with these three and maybe we could get into a little bit of the, you know, the creative process with these films. First being The Devil's Rejects with Rob Zombie. Um and I'd love to know, well, I guess, first of all, how do you get to know Rob? Is that just on the L.A. scene as well or playing shows? How do you two become acquainted? No, um, our mutual friend and lawyer uh, at the time uh, used to host uh, Monday night football parties at his house. And so Rob was usually there and I was usually there. And at some point uh, we had a more... Uh, intimate gathering for uh, someone's birthday dinner. And so I spoke to Rob there just a little bit, but then after Rob saw Dawn of the Dead, yeah, he told our uh, mutual friend, he's like, you know, he really loved the score. He loved the movie. And so I offered, uh, you know, my help on, on Devil's Rejects because I knew he was making that film. And he gave me a call about a month or so later and I came in and, and talked to him and he, he and his editor are just like, we don't know what this movie needs, but it needs a lot of music. And Rob just gave me the task of coming up with something primal and effed up. And uh, <laughs> that was the he, brief, was it? <laughs> yes, it, it absolutely was. And in, in those exact words, except he he didn't soften the, the expletive. But um, but anyway, you know, he gave me three weeks really to develop the sound because there, there are virtually no discernible instruments in the majority of the score until we get to the end. There's a couple of traditional like drums and guitars and stuff, but it's mostly modular synth work. And um, I remember the first day he came to my studio with his editor, Glenn, to listen to the first 
batch of music I created and it was a huge sequence and as, so I just hit the space bar and I'm just for four minutes I'm just hoping that he doesn't hate it <laughs> and then when I stopped it he just exhaled and he just sat there for a minute and he says man that is so effing amazing he's like oh my god I've never heard anything like that in my life and I think my fans are gonna love this and I said well that's amazing that's what we're after you know and we want to really tell this story as authentically as possible because you know there is a kitsch value to the movie but it's also extremely hard that well, that, that one's a lot darker than house of a thousand corpses isn't oh, yeah. it? it's a lot more bleak in tone it owes a lot more to those classic kind of 70s movies you know that have the very downbeat ending and you know obviously rob's a student of 70s cinema and music and it's very much a homage to to the great films of that period um and you nailed it and it's like it's a really interesting hybrid as well because obviously the the original music well i guess you know the original score is your side but then there's all these songs in it as well and those two fuse so seamlessly i mean how how involved are you in the selection of the songs or is that all rob's work in this case and then you're just on the score like because they they blend so so seamlessly in that film and you know you've got obviously skinnered allman brothers james gang um all these amazing classic 70s rock songs are you involved yeah. in that side of it as well or how does it I, work i'm in the conversation um rob curated the soundtrack but the way he went about it was he shared with me as he was you know deciding songs as soon as we got clearances and we knew we were going to be able to have skinner and other things um he shared that information with me and we discussed how we wanted to transition into or out of uh the songs throughout the film and i think the score uh definitely influenced some of those choices and the songs influenced the score in some way and a lot of the time it's really about juxtaposition um we wanted the songs to to pop and wanted to contextualize them so they felt indigenous to the movie and not a licensed song yeah. um and they did as so, well yeah they felt so authentic and true to the subject matter yeah so i mean you know rob knows his stuff with music i mean and and cinema he's great to work with and uh really straightforward and we did a few movies together that was all really great experience for us yeah i had rich break he's a pal of mine he lives around the road and where i used to live in clapton he lives down there and he came around to my house a couple of years back did a a great chat and i guess he was on the one of the halloween films which you scored and then he's obviously since been in three from hell and 13 and a few more but yeah, I mean, really unique dude, such a like very kind of strong visual style that's obviously always been there throughout his career in White Zombie from then on. Um, I think Devil's Rejects is still his masterpiece. I love that movie. You know, of I don't know how many movies I've scored, but that's in my top five favorite scores that I've ever done. Not because I enjoy listening to it, because I, I, you know, my wife reminded me it, it, a couple times during, you know, a couple points during the the process of scoring that movie. She's like, just so you know, you're in a pretty dark place right now. <laughs> so I had to shake it off a few times, but I, I love the, you know, I feel like it's very uh, authentic. The place that I was coming from with the music, the whole process of creating it, and it's not like Rob and I sit around watching torture movies or anything like that. That is totally not the case um but we do talk about things we love and we do talk about how we want to feel and if we're going to go in 
Um, I mean, there's some very disturbing situations in that movie that really upset me when I watch them, you know? And so the music isn't a, a, a it's not necessarily an, this would be cool type statement. It, it's my visceral response to the material. And I think that that's why uh, for that particular movie, I really, you know, created a, an authentic body of work that, uh, that I felt was holistic for the film. It was, it was deeper than just scoring a movie. It was really getting into the whole psychology of Rob's thinking and the characters themselves. So uh, it was, it was a pretty uh, heavy lifting endeavor, but you know, I'm really happy that I did it. Uh, Rob was great to work with. We're really proud of the end result. And, and to this day, it's still one of my favorite scores. Yeah, man, you should be proud of it. It's incredible. Um, you mentioned Dawn of the Dead. Was that a game changing project for you? Was that what opened I guess, you know, you went on to work with Zack Snyder several times afterwards. James Gunn as well, obviously wrote that movie, did a bunch of stuff with him. Was that the movie that you think kind of changed your fortunes, as it were, and, and got the ball rolling? I think it became something that retroactively did that. It took me still a while to uh, to have like a consistently, uh, a career that, that was more consistent with high quality projects, you know, because my career was up and down, you know, I would you know, my first few studio movies looked like they were a big break and then they would open up to crickets at the box office. And so there I am back again, you know, hustling for my next, you know, uh, backyard barbecue movie score. Um, but I, you know, I'm happy that I went through all of that because I've never taken anything for granted. Um, I've never felt like I've, I have written some kind of quintessential body of work that I can rest on. I've always felt like I need to, you know, push further, push myself harder to uh, create uh, a better, a better quality product to um, become a better artist. Um, and I live with that daily. And that's part of the neuroses that is me. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm still very, very excited about the challenges that, um, that I'm in, that I'm faced with daily on a creative level. And, uh, I've been, you know, for, fortunate to encounter a lot of people who have been great mentors to me who have opened doors for me, uh, creatively as well as, is giving me opportunities to show what I'm capable of. And, you know, for that, you know, I'll, I'll always, uh, you know, approach my work with a sense of gratitude and, and uh excitement for what's possible i do that with every song that i write with artists and uh, i'm always excited about the the possibility of what music can become and how it can make us feel so you know it's rob was a big part of giving me a leg up and dawn of the dead certainly was a big deal for me because i think it was a hit without the studio anticipating that to be the case um and i did a two number ones that quarter in 2004. Jeez, it's been a long time. <laughs> but it was cool. And uh, it was a lot to build from, you know, it was my first very large orchestral score. Um, Zach is really a great uh, cheerleader of music in the process and really does uh, empower a composer to explore their imagination and see what they're capable of. And um, he's very open to uh, an array of ideas. So it's not necessarily that he has something so specific in mind that it has to become that, you know, every director 
does get the temp love from time to time. And that can be, you know, a great challenge for a composer, but nonetheless, uh, my experience working with him was always great. Yeah. And he, he seems to be another person. I mean, maybe you could shed some light on it with the Watchmen soundtrack, which I just think is impeccable. And I remember when I saw that and I was like, Oh my God, I don't think at that point within that world, that kind of comic book graphic novel world, you'd ever heard like Bob Dylan or Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix or, you know, Leonard Cohen again, was, was he the curator of all of that? Cause it seems like you're drawn to these dudes that have such an in-depth understanding and appreciation of music. And again, like the soundtrack mixes these incredible iconic songs with obviously your scores again, in such a seamless way. It's a hell of a score, that film, a hell of a film. Thank, God, it's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm very proud of that movie It's a very complex project. Uh, it was it was a long one too you know it, actually even though that film came out i think in 2009 the entire process to filmmaking has changed so the time that went into creating that score and having uh film footage sit still enough to dig very deeply into it uh his his past you know so now everything's just rapid fire constant you know testing with audiences and that's just the sign of the times and the way the process has become. And that's fine. But back then um, we were really able to get into the material and savor it and explore, you know, different ideas of with how to best express that story and support the acting, you know, the actors performances. Um, and there's a pretty wide range of music in that score uh, from really disturbed um modular synth work that is is pretty filthy and and uh and dark to some really beautiful orchestral works and um i'm just really so appreciative that i had that movie happen at that point in my career it was a springboard for me creatively in a lot of ways so uh that was cool but with the songs um uh zach did have a number of the songs in mind and he worked with the music department at Warner Brothers to pull the you know call the soundtrack and and pull it together because I believe there's 17 licensed songs in that film, and needless to say, just getting the rights for us to take the Dylan song into the studio, we took the original three track recording, <laughs> and we expanded that arrangement into nearly six minutes. And uh, actually, for that one, Dean Parks came in and played guitar on it to really match uh dylan's guitar playing and to tie that arrangement together to accommodate our extensive uh, credit sequence in that movie it was really fun to do that um once it was done i didn't i got over the sacrilege of of, <laughs> of messing with a classic song like that but it was a great challenge to uh to have so many transitions into and out of songs in the movie and sometimes we really just wanted to smash into a song Sometimes we really wanted to feather the score into it so that we dropped into it without even realizing we were there. So uh, it was really uh, an awesome creative challenge. It's a supremely creative job. It must be so rewarding, so complex and challenging, as you say, but so, so rewarding. Um, it's kind of where the purest art form in cinema and music, when, they, when those two worlds meet, I think that's like as pure as art gets. It's something that cinema is a medium does that no other can you know that marriage of sound and image it's such a potent heady cocktail and done right it's so moving and so powerful and transformative isn't it 
Yeah. And the movie is like just aesthetically, it's stunning to watch that film. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's the most beautiful movie Zach has made. I mean, he's made a lot of great films, but there's something about how he approached the material, how it was uh, expressed, how uh, it was shot, edited. The whole deal was just really impeccable, I thought. And, you know, he knew that he was going to be facing a challenge with some fans by diverting from uh, the graphic novel. Uh, with the ending of the film, but I thought it was appropriate and it brought the film a little bit closer into uh, the narrative of reality, what's what's really happening in the world even today. Um, but I thought it was really, he made some great choices in, in in making that film and I'm really proud of it. I watched Slither the other night. It's really hard <laughs> to get hold of. It's so great. If, if, if anybody listening to this hasn't seen it, it's like Bad Taste. It's like that Peter Jackson movie. Very camp, kitsch, kind of comedy horror film. Michael Rooker in it. I mean, because he was so, like, in everything in the 90s. And then he kind of disappeared. And he's in that. And obviously, he's in all the Guardians films. I think what a genius casting choice that was to put him in that role. It's such a hilarious role. Obviously, Elizabeth Banks, I guess that was what probably her first film. One of, if not her first. Um, and just such a kitsch, cool cult film. That obviously then... You know, I think led on to you guys working together on the two Guardians films. What's James Gunn like as a dude to work with? Because he seems like just a supremely unique creative mind. I would, I would uh, concur. Um, yeah, I mean, the first couple that we did, we did Slither, and we did like ten shorts. He did this PG porn thing that <laughs> that destroyed my credits on the IMDb <laughs> for a while. Um, and then we did super and those movies were really fantastic on a pure collaboration level and then the first guardians was was a lot of fun going into it because i wrote a lot of the thematic sketches for that that uh that he played on set so he contextualized the the tone of the film with the actors and and all of the crew uh by blasting the the themes on the set of the making of that film is that so, a, is that a unique practice because you would think that it would be really helpful and loads of people would do it but you, i don't seem to hear it being done all that much no it it's not because in order to do that you know these days a composer unless you're talking about like a baz lerman film where you're developing songs in advance that are going to be pre-records the composer is not compensated to write score cues for nine months um, before they actually begin their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, so it has become increasingly difficult to make those commitments. Um, I still do in some cases, but, um, you know, uh, that is a great challenge to, to manage to do that. Um, but anyway, I'm really proud of the work we did on the guardians films. The, I would say the, uh, level of intensity ramped up with, uh, those two movies considerably obviously it's a huge stage for james and um well you look at the opening credits to two and mm -hmm. instantly you're like oh my god like i thought the first one was ambitious and grand and then you see that opening sequence to two and you're like holy hell it's like yeah. it's like a musical it's like ballet isn't it it's so ambitious so yeah cool. well i mean fortunately you know uh the titles in all of these 
superhero, fantastic, you know, adventure type films gives license to explore this, the capacity of one's uh, creative, uh, you know, potential. So, I mean, clearly James seized upon that and uh, Marvel is a great studio. They definitely have a vision for what they want to deliver to their, their fans. So uh, their audience. So they're very, very, very good at it. And um, it was a great learning experience working on those movies. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have done them. And uh, were you on set much for that one? You know, it's funny on the first guardians, you know, James wanted me to be in the movie. So I, I flew to London or it was in Shepperton. They were, they were filming. And um, within a half hour, I didn't realize this was going to happen. He just had me, you know, sent me up to makeup and they put me uh, in Ravager uh, garb and, you know, the hair, the whole deal, the makeup and everything. So I was in a scene in the movie and then they, he had me uh, actually pulling one of the spaceships out too as a Ravager pilot, which even doing that, I'm not a good enough actor to do it convincingly. I, I'm like, so, so I got back to LA and then once they were in post-production, they were doing some reshoots and it included the scenes that I was in. And I just said, shoot me out of the movie. I'm too busy writing the music. I can't, you know, spare two days to be on set because you need a lot from me from the music production. So I am in the first Guardians for a blip. And then in the second one, I was not. So uh, probably because my acting in the first one was not <laughs> worthy of <laughs> it wasn't worthy of no an encore performance. <laughs> no, no, no. So, you know, I know that that's not my station in life. And that's why. You know, I love to perform in the context of bands, but I'm a behind the scenes type person. And uh, that's where I feel uh, most comfortable. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Well, dude, I could talk to you all day about movies, but we'll we'll skip ahead to the soundtrack now. But yeah, I mean, John Wick as well. Atomic Blonde was brilliant. Deadpool 2. It's an insane list. And Killer Joe. What a great movie that is. So it's not just like the big blockbuster kind of action fantasy stuff. There's, there's gritty gritty drama in there as well but yeah man the, well, with the, with this um this dark knight's death metal soundtrack obviously there's you know for someone like myself a lot of familiar names on this list but actually it was some of the more unfamiliar that really interested me the most um now with the anything anything song i shamefully thought that was a buck cherry song right because that that song appeared the buck cherry cover i now know as a cover appeared on the road trip soundtrack and that was as a kid one of my favorite soundtracks so i heard that song first on that and thought what a great tune just learned today obviously it's is it gray days and that's chester bennington's old band right pre-lincoln park yeah and it's it's a cover that they did of drama rama right so yeah um tom wally who is the uh president owner of Loma Vista Records, who is my label mate on this particular project. Uh, he and I go back several years. Um, and uh, so when I, when this soundtrack started coming together, you know, I brought the initial artists in and then we started collaborating with who would be on the soundtrack after the, the first several artists that I had brought in. Um, Tom called me and, and said, look, you know, I really think the Chester Bennington's voice embodies the spirit of what you know we're trying to do with this record yeah and it's unlike the other songs on the record obviously the vocals were done you know 30 some odd years ago i think 97 i was reading was yeah something like yeah yeah so you know 20 20 almost 30 years ago 25 i don't know so anyway um uh, so I, he asked me to go in the studio with the, uh, the band members who remain, and, uh, I guess they're making records, uh, based on this music that they did back in the day. Um, so, you know, obviously that was an interesting experience for me to work with Chester's vocals. You know, I, I haven't quite done anything like that, you know, so I'm not entirely comfortable making executive decisions about, uh, a deceased person's tracks, you know, um, but the band uh, really feels, you know, confident in, in what their objective is with the music. So I went with that and it was, it was fun to work with the guys. What uh, We did that during COVID and it was odd to have a masked experience in the studio, you know, cause I'm literally in this room like myself for 14, 15 hours a day. So um, that was my first experience during COVID was going in uh, to the studio to work with Grey Days on that. Um, it's a really uh, beautiful addition, COVID. really beautiful yeah. addition. So it was, it was, it was cool. And um, you know, there's a lot of the, the, let's say some of the lesser known artists that I've been very, uh, excited about their their sound and who they are and their futures like Starcrawler is a band that i really love that's what i want to talk to you about next just oozes in 70s classic rock sound it sounds contemporary and fresh but it's just steeped in that classic 70s sound that i love so much they're amazing they're absolutely amazing like how far along in their career are they well you know it's very interesting because uh henry and arrow the leaders of the band they just turned 22. now this is including COVID. they've already played japan five times <laughs> but um you know they're on the brink of really really breaking out and uh so we're making their lp right now uh, right on 
yeah, you man. know, they'll be in for a session tonight and that's going really, really well. They're very professional, very cool people. Uh, they know what they're about and I really enjoy working with them and I really think they're going to be a big deal. So I, I, you know, I personally, uh, want to help make that happen with them. Um, I love their music and their approach. It's very cool. A lot of fun. And, uh, and you know, they're, you know, like, uh, for instance, Greg Pucciato from Dillinger escape plan, he's a good friend and Gil Sharon is a really close friend of mine. So, uh, we did now you've really done it for this particular record and that was the first song that was written for this soundtrack um and i just really you know we just thought we would have some fun you know kind of writing some post-punk uh songs together everybody in in among the three of us is engaged in all styles of music but we just thought that would be really fun to do that so we knocked that track out and um and we felt that uh, you know i felt that this soundtrack would be a great a great place for it and obviously the final lyrics were uh inspired by the material itself so um we're really thrilled about that you know every artist is connected to the material uh yeah i mean andy's got a batman tattoo hasn't he he loves batman well that was an interesting story too because i learned that uh through andy's manager blasco i learned that andy is like the i know blasco well he's a good dude yeah very much and i i learned that andy was like the the biggest batman fan on the planet to the point where he actually has original print batman wallpaper in his house so <laughs> i didn't know like, that I, and i had already decided i wanted to make uh the sonic metalverse motion comic i thought well this would be a great uh forum for all of our artists on the soundtrack to meet at a concentric point by voicing dc characters you know so i didn't really know what it was going to be but I just said, you know, if you allow me the opportunity to work with the the panel artwork and, and some of Scott Snyder's uh, uh, great dialogue, then we'll see what we can do. And they were supportive of Scott and Greg Capullo were supportive of that. So I contacted Andy. He was down to do it. So he came in literally just to voice Batman and he lives close by. So, again, we had to mask up sessions, but he brought it every time. And then when DC heard his performance of Batman, they're just like, Tyler, you've got to do a song with Andy for this soundtrack. So I spoke with uh, Ryan and Tom Wally at Loma Vista about, you know, their interest in this. And they thought, well, is, you know, it'd be really great if there was a duet that could be done. So my first thought was Maria Brink. And I'd worked with Maria Brink in the past and she's amazing and awesome. So she's from the band in this moment. Yep. And She's uh, highly respected and uh, awesome to work with. So unwittingly, I just asked her if she would do this. And I only learned after that that she, her band and Andy's band, Black Veil Brides, had been scheduled to tour the world together. And Perfect. then COVID. <laughs> or not. So, COVID. <laughs> so, so now we've done this. We, we did the song, Meet Me in the Fire. We wrote that uh, together. And that was released last week, and the fans seem to really be positive on it. And they're scheduled to tour again together starting uh, September. So it was somewhat serendipitous that that happened. Um, but both of them are fantastic to work with. And actually, Andy's performance of Batman set a real um, mark for all of the other uh, artists from the different bands to voice their characters because Andy's so, so good at it. So 
we were fortunate to get a lot of spirited performances. And I think the the people who contributed to that motion comic uh, from all the bands were really excited to be able to voice these classic DC characters. And this was really done. All of us involved in this record are fans of comics, fans of the culture, and were inspired directly by the material. So um, this is really made by fans for fans. This is not a corporate widget or anything like that. This is just something we all wanted to engage in. So um, I'm really excited about the project and I can say, you know, wholeheartedly that it's authentically created. And um, I'm really proud of, of what we managed to, to do during a rather challenging time. Yeah, man. And like Andy's in an interesting place in his career at the moment. Obviously, he's just brought out a book, which um, my publishing label put out. I'm on the same publishing house as him. Um, he's in the Paradise City show and he just seems to like, you know, really kind of coming into his own as an across the board artist and performer. And dare I say it, I don't want to piss anyone off, but dare I say it, that song that him and Marina do kind of sounds a bit like Tool. It's got a bit of a Tool quality to it in places. Mm. I thought it was great. I, you know, I never even considered that, but all right, I'll take it. <laughs> um, we're really excited by the song and uh, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, okay, so there was a record before this for Dark Knight's Metal and there was a series before this Dark Knight's Metal that Scott Snyder and Greg Fulo also did. And so we set out to make a soundtrack somewhat like this, but um we did do some music, but then all of the champions at the label at the time had disappeared by the time we really got into writing the music. Age-old um, story in rock and roll, isn't it? That Yeah, so we didn't, it didn't really come to a manifest to the point of fruition that we wanted it to. The songs, you can find them scattered about the internet, but it was a great entry to relationships like mine with Maria or Brown Daler from Mastodon. And when this opportunity came about, we were in front of it enough where I thought, okay, we can really engage artists on a granular level. And uh, in talking to Loma, we both thought that, wow, it'd be awesome to have a song by a Mastodon that's inspired by this material. And Bron did write uh, with Mike Elizondo and Gil Sharon and I, um, Red Death for the last one. And that was still based on the material of, of the original, you know, Dark Knight's Metal. But this was such more, uh, so much more an immersive project for all the artists. Um, it really gave people their, their space to identify with the material and express something how they, you know, how they related to it. So, again, you know, the artist roster on this record is extremely diverse. And the approach to the songwriting is really diverse because it's, you know, I, I, the objective was, you know, set by me, you know, given to by me to the artist to interpret this how you wish it to be. So if you want to extract something from the dialogue that's literal, great. If you want to uh, write about an emotion that this evokes when you study this material great it doesn't have to be like a superhero song so fortunately we didn't really turn up with that type of material we really turned up with a lot more uh, of the abstract approach but it all encapsulates the essence of this comic and i really think that it, it truly functions uh, effectively as a soundtrack for this it's not licensed songs 
as a companion piece that someone's going to sell, hoping people bite on it. This is all artists who are inspired by this material and who are fans of it. And um, I think that that's something that's not really been done yet. So we're all really proud of our commitment and our contribution to this project. Yeah, and you got Chino in the mix as well, Dave Lombardo, who you mentioned, and uh, my good pals Rise Against. Um, now, the, the song that they've got on the album is actually on their new album as well. So how, how did that one come about? Broken Dreams, Inc. It happened simultaneously, really. They Did they just they, say, this is too good, we need it for our record as well? Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. And then, you know, I helped them cut a trailer for their track, uh, a DC trailer. And then um, Tim McIlrath, he voiced uh, Lobo for us in an episode, which was really cool. So it was a way for him to really get involved in the comic itself. And, um, you know, I thought that was, it was really fun to, to not only hear each of the artists interpretations of these characters, but to also hear directly from them, how exciting it was for them to just do this fun thing. And mind you, this is during kind of a pretty dark time for everybody. You know, these artists are, you know, at the time we're facing not releasing new records because everything was just kind of discombobulated during COVID or tours had been canceled. And for a lot of artists, especially if you're not the chief songwriter in a band that brought on some pretty intense hardship. So this was a great uh, respite from that reality for everybody. We're escaping into it just the way everyone escapes into reading comics. Yeah, and and one thing that I'll sort of bring up as we approach the end is like I found with people who work with loads of different artists and people who kind of put together teams for things like this, like you really need to be a people person. Um, and I'd love to just get some insight into the way you work just on a human level with all these people and the collaborative aspects of it, of course, as well. But being able to be flexible and, and work with so many different types of people, like it must be so enriching and rewarding um, just to have that variety in your life of human contact, human connection, creative collaboration. Uh, it's its the stuff of life, isn't it, right there? It is. And, uh, you know, it's been very interesting through the years how the cross-pollination of my work in film and TV and games and, and collaborating with directors, producers, editors, you know, music supervisors, all of that, you know, I have to create or adapt to a process that suits each project, each team of people, you know, and engage them in a, in a way that makes them uh, very easily involved in the music process, very comfortable with what we're doing. And so that experience has really helped me to relate to different artist process because everybody's different. Some people are, are their musical acumen is, is very high as far as their understanding of uh, music theory and studio experience and other people are a little uh more primal or more instinctual in their approach and the key for me is to really understand what they're about it's not to judge or gauge who they are it's really about understanding how they're going to thrive um in the creative process so it's always uh enriching and rewarding for me to be able to to stage a process that is very seamless for the artists to do their best work and you know you have to adapt and during covid that presented you know every hurdle you could possibly imagine and creating a record especially with 15 artists on it <laughs> um 
and then to to also engage them in contributing to this other medium that was designed to become like i said like this central point where where all the artists would collaborate even if they didn't know each other or even if they were never in the studio together so that was my objective and i think you know we accomplished it on a very uh fan oriented level you know my i never wanted this to seem like this was like some you know uh overproduced project where everything just felt like it had been workshopped and and curated by um a suit you know by a label or anything on a corporate level this is like this is this was really between the artists and me and dc on a very fan level and loma vista on a very fan level and seeing what we could do really the objective is like okay we're gonna do this let's see what we could do you know and it was amazing to have all the artists bring such verve to the process and the end result all the songs are really special i think and then even some of our our guest artists for instance like well dave lombardo is like one of my close friends so it was it was you know i engaged dave just to be a colorist on the score for each episode of the the motion comic but then gunship and i made a connection and and they kept describing that you know we decided we were going to write a couple songs together so they kept describing this slayer drum beat you know from back in the 80s and i'm like how strange is it because gunship's such like an 80s electronic type band and i think they're great you know so after like the third reference you know i said to dan i'm like well why don't i just call dave and have him play drums on it and they're like what i'm like well he's my bro you know and so dave was like sure man i'll do it so that was fun you know uh my go to Robert. the source isn't it go to the source you want the slayer yeah. guy get the slayer guy <laughs> yeah and you know again dave and i go back to dawn of the dead that's where i met him he was a, a guest uh, musician on that score and we maintained our friendship throughout the years and um so it was fun to have him involved and then you know when i did uh wrote anti-life with the band health um we discussed it with label and the consensus was that it would be awesome to have a guest vocalist join jake on that song so their favorite singer you know i'm friends with those guys anyway so i know them well their favorite singer is chino so uh you know i suggested chino and and the you know the guys at loma vista are like is that possible i'm like i'll just i'll call him up see what he says you know because i worked with chino before chino's awesome and he knocked out his vocal performance within a couple of days of that call and it all came together and the guys in health were so stoked to hear a song you know that they had written under their name with with chino being a central component of that song it was like a you know kind of like a dream come true so that was that was quite awesome you know so that type of thing the connectivity among people is something that's really important to me in life and i think that uh, when you understand the tapestry of what this this soundtrack is you'll see it's apparent throughout so i'm again i'm really uh proud of it and excited that for people to really hear this entire record yeah it's really special man and then stuff like that does shine and come across and it's so nice when it isn't like you don't have to go through the manager and there's not lawyers and it's just it's people who are on the same page 
that want the same end result, which is just a great record and you want to get creative and collaborate. And that for me is what it's all about. And if you can do it that way, you've obviously made a life for yourself that enables that. And it's, yeah, it's really inspiring and, and impressive, man. More power to you, Tyler. I love it, dude. Um, apart from this, what's coming up? Are you doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3? I'm not. I no? have a, oh. no, it's the scheduling has just been pretty, uh, pretty crazy i have like an intense next year and a half already on the books um i'm really proud of the work that uh that i was able to do with uh, uh the first two films but there are other there might be something related to that that i'm involved with but um actually right now i'm doing a ton of really exciting projects and movies and TV, and I couldn't be happier about what uh, what I'm involved in now. And you know, um, I just keep keep moving, working with a lot of artists, and that is something I'm very passionate about. You know, continuing to make records with artists uh, of all varieties, all ages, keeps me completely um, focused and excited about the possibility of music. And that's uh, that's really where you know my heart is at the moment yeah, it keeps you young keeps you alive as well that does is there one place where people can like just keep up to date with everything you've got going on be it records you're producing or things you're scoring you've got a website where all of that's kind of shared and updated yes tylerbates.com um simple enough Easy but uh it. yeah but anyway uh yeah we we keep that updated you know um my associates do it I don't personally touch social media. <laughs> so, so for instance, uh, you know, if there's a post, one of my associates will do it. I really, I just, you know, I try and stay away from, you know, previewing comments and all that stuff. I appreciate the fans tremendously. You're um, staying pure, man. You're staying pure. I love so, it. So like when the song meet me in the fire came out last week, the one with Maria Brink and Andy Biersack, uh, you know, Matt Keller at DC comics, said, Tyler, you got to go online. You got to check out what everybody's saying. They love the song. I'm like, Matt, you know, I can't, I can't go and do that. And plus I'm not the type to drink my own Kool-Aid anyway. So he just kept screen capping stuff and sending it to me. I'm like, you got to stop. <laughs> you know, it's like, I am really excited that people love it. And I'm uh, moving forward with my, my, you know, creative life. So, you know, again, I'm all in on this record. I love it. I'm proud of it. But, you know, my my creative mind is is focused forward. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that people really do embrace this record when it comes out June 18th. There's all kinds of really awesome vinyl products that will be available come July. And there's other products that will be available down the line that's related to this. And at the core of it, you have Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, two of the, the greatest uh, artists in comics right now. So it's pretty rich with awesome material. And um, I really hope that fans, you know, take a look at, at this and, and really take the time to, to really just take it in. And it's really, it's really cool. And I'm privileged to be part of it. So, yeah. Right on, dude. Well, it's been a pleasure connecting and, and picking your brain. And uh, yeah, just massive respect for what you do. And uh, I hope we can meet in person someday, either your side of the pond or this side. And and hang out we've got a lot of mutual friends and yeah it'd be good to see you sometime man but just keep up the great work and that this star crawler record is this going to be on the horizon as well i look forward to that man 
I'm going to dive in Ab- on their back catalog as well. Absolutely. And they just shot an incredible video for Good Time Girl, which is on the Dark Knight's Death Metal soundtrack album. That was our first experience together working in the studio. And we, we loved the experience so much that uh, we decided to make their new LP together. And I'm just having a great time working with them. They're just really awesome. So that video will premiere sometime in July. And um, this new record is amazing. So I, I can't wait to see this band really blow up. You know, they're, they're really great people and awesome artists. So uh, that gets me excited every day just to, to work with people who are as passionate as I am. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm really, uh, really thrilled to be part of that as well. Right on. Yeah, surround yourself with the best and keep your eyes forward and keep creating, dude. Have a great day. Thank you, Tyler. All right. Thank you. Take care, brother. Okay, what is it tonight? Please just tell me what the hell is wrong. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 